This is the World War II Radio Podcast. A date which will live in infamy. This is London. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Go ahead, Berlin. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Welcome to the World War II Radio Podcast. The goal of this podcast is to present the original radio broadcast from 80 years ago during the days of the war, with the occasional more recent radio program about the war. Today we have NBC's War Telescope, as it aired on January 22, 1944. The series was broadcast from London and offered weekly updates and commentary on the war every Saturday, as well as looking at what could be coming in the weeks and months ahead. War correspondent Elmer Peterson hosts this episode, and he discusses if Hitler will survive the war and the concern of the threat of a third war with Germany. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can visit our website at brickpicklemedia.com slash podcasts, where you can find links to past episodes and other information. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ww2radio. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. From London, the National Broadcasting Company presents War Telescope, a review of the war week and a forecast of possible developments to come. War Telescope features Elmer Peterson of NBC's London staff, a veteran reporter of the European scene. For his regular Saturday report, we take you now to London. This is Elmer Peterson in London. Whether Hitler himself will survive this war will always be a matter of speculation. He may be the victim of an assassin's bullet. He may be a suicide. He may die a natural death. But one thing is fairly certain. If Hitler does die before the end of this war in Europe, his death will be announced as being a natural one, no matter how he comes to the end of his days. For that would be, for those Germans who are looking far ahead into the future, the best way of making Hitler a martyr, the best way of letting him continue as a symbol of what Nazism stands for, the best way of keeping alive German hopes of someday winning a world war. Among other things, Hitler's death might provide the German high command with a partial reason, at least, for surrender. And to that extent, it may be a most deliberate affair. This thought on what may happen in Germany this year was expressed to me here in London the other day by a man whom I regard as an expert student of the war. It's not just an idle remark on possible future developments. Instead, it's the sort of thing that carries a grim note of warning for the future, something worthy of consideration. It falls in line with an observation that can no longer be ignored, namely that the German high command is no longer out to win the war as such, but is going all out to win the peace. That the German high command will stop at nothing in cunning and trickery and deception in its efforts to get out of this war in a position to start another one sometime. In a way, it falls in line, too, with something that must be realized clearly now. Namely, that responsible Germans are far more confident about the future than is generally realized, and that they have their own reasons for this. In any event, the shadow of the peace is beginning to fall across Europe alongside the shadows of war. I mention this because you may be interested in knowing something of what people are saying and thinking over here in Britain when they consider the difficulties that lie ahead not only in the matter of defeating Germany, 
but in defeating Germany in such a way that her ambitions towards war and conquest are killed, and killed very effectively. There is, of course, no precise pattern here in Britain in methods of getting information about German strength and German plans. There are the actual tests and demonstrations of German strength. Last night, the RAF lost 55 planes out of an estimated 1,000 planes that raided Germany. It's an indication that the Germans can still defend against attack. And last night, we had about 90 German planes over this country. Not a large number these days, but it's an indication that the Germans can still hit back. If you had been in Lon here in London last night, listening to the savage thunder of London's guns through two raids, watching the searchlights at work, hearing the shrill whine of planes in the sky above you, you would have realized that Germany is by no means finished, that Germany still has something in reserve, offensively as well as defensively. If you had been here last night, you would have found it a bit difficult to say that the war in Europe is all over but the shouting. The Germans may be retreating on their eastern front, but they are still in possession of Western Europe. They can still put planes in the air. In addition to these actual events, there's a great deal of information available here about Germany. I could take you with me to great and complicated offices here in London where experts analyze present conditions in Germany. The effect of air raids, the effect of lack of housing, the state of German war production. I could take you with me through London streets to buildings where governments in exile are quartered. Buildings where you can hear all manner of languages spoken, and where you can talk to persons recently escaped from Germany or the occupied countries. I could take you with me to crowded London hotels where you can talk to travelers from neutral countries. But all this information is something you have to sort out and digest as best you can. In the last analysis, it depends on the way in which you can evaluate what you learn against your own experience and knowledge of Germany and the Germans. My own impressions are these. We are getting ready to attack Germany in the West. We are getting ready here in Britain to hit Germany a powerful and final blow. That much we can take for granted. But the Germans are getting ready to meet this blow, and they still have their own hopes of blocking it as a means of prolonging the war in order to intensify the war strain here in Britain, to encourage their own people, and they hope to discourage the people of the United Nations. Moreover, and highly important, the Germans are planning far beyond the fact of their inevitable defeat, their foreshadowed surrender. They're busy now taking a long-range view of defeat. They are already preparing the underground organization that will operate under allied occupation. If the Poles and French and Norwegians can fight underground, why can't the Germans, who should by this time, after all, know all the tricks of underground organization? Not long ago, I am told, Hitler held one of his meetings with his high-ranking officials. It was, from all accounts, a strange conference. It had nothing to do with plans for great offensives, nothing to do with measuring out new campaigns on headquarters maps. Instead, Hitler devoted himself almost entirely to an elaborate discussion of his own ideas of war weariness here in Britain. He orated on his latest belief, namely that a partial sort of victory might be gained in the end if the war can be continued long enough. And this time, it seems, the German high command agreed with him for their own particular reasons. From all accounts, as I get these reports here in London, Hitler did not make this a front-line conference. In fact, the Fuhrer spends most of his time now at Berichtsgarten, willing enough at last to leave military matters with a German high command, which is important. What's being recognized more and more here in London is that it's the German high command that we must contend with chiefly in the final moments of this war both militarily and politically. This in turn raises the question of what the German high command is after now, assuming that it has now decided that complete military victory is impossible. 
The answers here in London are clear enough. The German High Command wants to save itself as an institution. It wants to keep the land war off German soil. It wants to get out of the war with a feeling still strong in the German army that the war was lost by political errors, not by military failure. It wants the best peace possible, but it also wants to have Germany finish the war as intact as possible in its industrial capacity. In short, the German High Command is scheming now to achieve the best possible circumstances for surrender. What the German High Command wants and what it's going to get are, of course, different things entirely. But as one pieces together the information available here in London, its plans may be something like this. First, to retreat out of Russia, fighting all the time to cut down Russian reserves in hopes of eventually holding a line beyond which the Russian progress will be very slow and costly. By that time, the Germans may hope to send more of their strength into Western Europe in an effort to block the coming invasion. And by the time the Allied air raids on Germany undoubtedly will have reached the stage where the German High Command can use these air raids as an excuse for surrender, and it will have to have an excuse. Not only an excuse for surrender, mind you, but an excuse for forcing a military government to replace, the ost replace ostensibly the Nazi regime. Hitler will have to be taken out of the picture completely, and his death, real or accidental, shall we say, might prove a valuable argument for the German High Command. In any event, what must be borne in mind as one sees the situation from here in London is that the German military leaders will prefer to surrender with the excuse of air raids on German cities than to surrender with the admission that the German army has been defeated. The blame would thus go to the Nazi party. And as I have said before, there is good evidence that the German soldiers who are still fighting hard with no signs of failing morale have been quietly indoctrinated for a long time now with the idea that the Nazi party is responsible for the bombing of their cities and homes, not the German army as such. At any rate, it's interesting here in London now to see how the German high command is being emphasized as the final enemy, and not alone the Nazi party leaders. Certainly there's a good chance that the final efforts at trickery are going to come from those men in Germany to whom war is a profession, and who are now thinking of possible future wars as well as this one. In all of this, the German high command has its deep and serious problems. The German home front must be maintained in morale, in production, in transport. There's still a good possibility, after all, that the German war machine, even when turned fully towards defense, may collapse like a pricked balloon under the great and solid blows still to come from all directions. The Germans are, after all, counting on time which they may not get. And if the German military leaders are looking ahead to a third war, and they are, there would be no particular point in their giving up with German war industry so pulverized that it can never be restored, with German cities smashed to the point where they will be practically eliminated. <coughs> How and when to surrender is going to be important to the Germans. And there's good reason to believe the Germans, despite their hopes and plans for prolonging the war, aren't going to get all the time they need and want. Quite aside from the invasion of Western Europe, they're going to be subjected from now on to an ever-increasing weight and range of air attacks by Allied strategic air forces here in Britain and operating also from new bases in Italy. I can report that heavy American bomber strength is being constantly increased for this purpose, both in planes and crews. At the moment, it's officially estimated here that American air forces, through their great raid on Schweinfurt and subsequent raids on German fighter plane factories, 
have destroyed about 40% of German fighter plane strength. And there will soon be a full-scale crisscross air offensive against German factories that will be unprecedented in effectiveness. Lieutenant General Carl Spott, commanding general of the newly created United States Strategic Air Force, both here in the Mediterranean, had a word to say about this today. In his first press conference in his new headquarters somewhere here in Britain, he faced some 75 war correspondents and made a simple direct statement that bespeaks the future very well. Our sole objective, said General Spott, is to drop the maximum weight of bombs on the right targets in Germany in the quickest possible time. And so we are approaching, as I view the situation here in London, a tremendously vital period in this war. The Germans have their plans and they're gambling on time. Time to get back to something like a one-front war if possible. Time to put through new campaigns to encourage discord among the Allies. Time to pretend that they're getting separate peace offers from one side or the other. Time to devote to defensive measures entirely all their undoubted ingenuity and organizational ability. Time, for that matter, to decide carefully the question of whom they want to surrender to and when they want to surrender. And let there be no mistake about it, the Germans are going to fight to get that needed time. Still, it's no longer a question, really, of whether we can win this war in Europe. It's also a question of whether we can win it the way it should be won. Beyond the problems of invasion, there are the possible great problems of how to deal with a situation which the German army may surrender without admitting in its collective heart and mind that it's beaten. How to deal with a situation which the German high command may, through the very medium of its surrender, try to play one side of the United Nations against the other. In their new efforts to propagandize separate peace rumors, the Germans show they haven't lost any time in take, trying to take advantage of that published rumor in a Moscow paper. Here in Britain, you can sense the developing tension now as we move towards this time when the final showdown will come. The British people may be optimistic, but they don't expect to have much time to be complacent. Last night's raid on this country and on London have only strengthened the belief here that the punishment and sacrifice of this war in Europe is by no means over. It's freely admitted that the Germans aren't going to try to block the invasion by measures on the continent alone. The Britons expect to have a good share again of the flame and fury of air raids. The British Home Guard may yet have its chance for action in warding off retaliatory land action in this country. But if the Germans expect the British to break under war weariness, they're mistaken. The people here are weary. They don't welcome the sound of gunfire as we heard it last night, as we will undoubtedly hear it again. But it's going to take some tremendous attacks to break the steady rhythm of the war effort here. Last night, during every break in the barrage, I could hear the clear, steady sound of footsteps along the streets. The clear, unalarmed sound of voices in the darkness. And it was curiously and encouragingly symbolic. There was a steadiness about London last night which was stimulating. And somehow you sense here now that it's a time for steadiness. The days grow longer here. Each day we gain a few minutes more of daylight before the blackout curtains have to be drawn. And little things like that also seem symbolic of the future. And we're getting less and less of the fine-sounding predictions here about the future, which also seem suitable to the present moment. The feeling here now is that this is the time to watch the enemy, the time to give him full credit for what he may still be able to do. This is Elmer Peterson in London saying goodbye on this program until this time next week. You've been listening to Elmer Peterson and his weekly war commentary from London. This is the National Broadcasting Company. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. We hope these old-time radio programs entertain and help you learn more about what Americans experienced 
during the war 80 years ago. Be sure to visit brickpicklemedia.com slash podcast for past episodes and more information 